welcome to Pete's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Zambito, and we're here for episode 240, a nice round number, and my conversation with Hong Kong-based percussionist and educator, Matthew Lau. It's the final week of classes here at Mizzou. Since we're still in pandemic times, the final concerts have pretty much all been online, which has actually allowed me to attend more than I normally do. Additionally, we've had some in-person concerts, both outside and socially distanced inside. And that's been great. So let's keep that going. All right, enough there. Let's get to today's guest, Matthew Lau. I'm meeting Matthew for the first time on this interview, but it somewhat felt like I'd already met him. Matthew's both been a guest on a number of other podcasts recently, and he's the other member of the Fisher Lau duo where he performs with very recent podcast guest and fellow NYU and Stony Brook classmate, Abby Fisher. As you'll hear, Matthew is passionate about a number of topics, among them new percussion music and LGBTQ plus rights. He will jump into all of that immediately and discuss some of the work he's done in Hong Kong and throughout his career. We'll get into commissioning, growing up in Hong Kong, his years living and learning in the United States, living in New York, and much more. So let's get to it. We recorded this interview over Zoom on April 27th, 2021, and it begins right now. So, Matt, give me a summation of your percussion responsibilities as they are right now. Wow, you are going in with a Pandora box of question. <laughs> no, it's exciting. It's jump right in. So right now, um, personally, 2000, I, I would say 2020, mid-2022, up until this point, um, have been promo- not promoting, but educating my people here in Hong Kong about gay marriages, about equality, and about LGBT anything it's not just male and female um the reason why this is because you know in in the u.s and you know in in, in other countries in, in the west they, you you know you guys have been working on that um for you know for a hot second for a couple of years and in, in the u.s legalized gay marriages not long ago actually within a decade um and being in asia we are very conservative right um, Taiwan only legalized gay marriages last year, and a lot, I think a lot of countries don't even recognize it. For example, if you talk to people from Singapore, um, if you are, if you have a, if, if your spouse, you know, you have a same-sex spouse, you're not going to get benefit. You're not going to get the same equal treatment as, you know, spouse visas, um, insurance, and everything. Even though your marriage is legalized and recognized from a country. New Zealand, Australia, the U.S., whatever. Um, I'm bringing this up because this holds very close to my heart, of course. Um, I'm gay. I came from a gay lake, always been gay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Triple platinum gay. Um, But, you know, I met my husband. He's American. He's from Arizona in in, in the U.S., and he moved here with me. Um, So when October 2019 came, um, he it's he was up for renewal for his job contract and his um, work visa and everything, and you know he 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 
he wanted to switch to another job, work for himself. This is all pre-COVID, right? Um, and when I did a little research on this subject matter, I'm like, well, I don't think we can do it in Hong Kong yet. Because I've, I've, I've read the news, there has been cases um, that's been brought to the high court, the Supreme Court here, about, you know, fighting for equality and justice. And, and you know, they're, they're, I, I know a lot of gay folks here, but they're all sort of closeted or they're not very outspoken. Um, there, I mean, there is a pride parade, but it's not so much the parade as in people walking down the street in an alley form. But compared to Taiwan, it's really big. Um, uh, the one Taiwan, Taiwan is really big. I mean, um, so I was looking at it, and and I found a case that's been brought all the way up to the Supreme Court and got approved. Um, this couple was fighting for equal rights. Um, a civil servant here working for the government got married in the UK with um, her partner, and they were fighting for equal rights for about two or three years, I think. And finally, the court made an amendment on, on the government level, everything immigration-wise, tax purposes, you know, health, insurance, whatever, think if you got married outside of Hong Kong, where you know, that jurisdiction is legal, then we will recognize that. But you cannot get married here, um, you know, as things as couple, but we will recognize that. And because of that, I was about, you know, I was able to, to sponsor him as my spouse to get a visa really quickly. And that sort of like I, I never really had much of a voice in the gay circle here because, you know, I just it, that wasn't my thing. Um, and in the U.S., you know, I, 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 I talked to other people about it and we were actively doing something. But I feel like it's just not ready for Hong Kong yet. And it's not really homophobia. People I've been here three years, over three years, and people are more accepting and they're very more open-minded than when I was a kid, of course, right? Um, so long story short, I, I sort of, after that that couple of months, I was just like, let's just, let me just write a grant. And all of the grant are funded through the government here. Um, it's part of a government body through the arts. Um, so everybody who's vetting the grant, everybody up top, the big bosses, they're all, you know, you, you, you don't really know who they are, to be honest. They're just senior art practitioners, like whatever that means, right? Yeah, you're going to get like younger folks like me, like, you know, uh, mid-30s, early career. And you're going to get like someone a lot older and who had different view and who had different upbringing and values are so different. So just like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm just going to brand this concert, this project with my percussion group as equality, as diversity. Um, so deliberately put that very up top. Um, with all the social issues been going on in the U.S., with Me Too, with Black like Matters, with, you know, everything that's tied together, we have a social responsibility, um, you know, wherever you're in the world. And I did it. Um, for a hot second, my, the, the other director of my percussion um, group, um, Karen, she said, well, you know, do you think this is a good idea? Because I've already handed the, th the thing in and I'm like, this is not helping, but I think we should just go for it because if we're not doing this, nothing's going to change. So fast forward six months later, I got the result and it was approved. And people were like, oh, wait, really? This was approved? Because this is like kind of strange territory for them to approve anything about, uh, you know, LGBT, something about politics. These are the two like sort of bigger um, controversy, like abortion, everything was fine here. It was legalized anyway. But these are kind of people don't talk about stuff like that. And people don't, if they do do something like that, like there's a coalition for gay folks here, they branded their, um, there's a rainbow flag, of course, 
but they don't put it specifically. It's about what is this about? So that kind of puts me off sometimes. It's like, you know, I, I understand you're trying to protect your people because a lot of people here are closeted and it's their choice and the respect that. Um, and but my choice is just to push it out there and um, the concert poster. I you know I it was just in your face. So it was approved and we did our concert. It was supposed to be last year and everything got canceled. And the concert hall was was recently reopened about a month ago. And we got the call like, "Yo, we're open, but you know half capacity. Do you want to do this?" It's like, of course, like. I've got the money and, and I need to use this. And we've been so deprived of live concert. Let's do this. So we put that together in like two or three weeks. We have, we have all the pieces. Um, so it was really like to a lot of people, it was just another percussion, contemporary concert, chamber music, you know, but you look at the composer, you have Asian immigrant, you have a trans composer, you have a lesbian composer and you have an allied straight composer. I think it's really important to let people know this sort of issue exists, even though they're not from Hong Kong, but I made a speech sort of, I don't really talk a lot in concert, but I feel like that was the right spot to, to do that. And I don't know. I think I've inspired, I like to think that I've inspired some of the younger players. Cause I do know that some of the younger players did come to me and say, um, you know, they were like what, 21, 19 and whatever. Um, back when I was a 19 year old, like I don't know, 15 years ago, I don't have all these internet resources and it's the time was so different. Um, and I hope like we've, you don't need to come out or you don't need to be as active as I am, but I hope you find your voice and you acknowledging this kind of issue. And you might not be like doing the same thing in your career, but whatever your voice is, I hope you find it through this concert and it's inspire you going forward, if that makes sense. Um, if you ask me the same question pre-2019, it's always has been contemporary music because we are sort of, if, if, if you take a look at PASIC, right? The New Music Research Committee, it's like that little underdog of a little close click people that like you know go together and then you have you know the the majority of 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 of, of the u.s percussion scene and the marching band right and it, it's always been it, it kind of the same way with my lgbt views about in your own vision finding your voice i've always been very eminent about just be who you are because just so happened I'm Asian and I play member really well. Doesn't necessarily I have to do all these competitions to become a member play. I don't want to do that. Um, and it was a realization when I was doing my doctorate that like let's not do this. Let's play something else. Let's let's play cool new contemporary music that's exciting. Um, and I find my voice through the vibraphone. Um, I still love marimba. I still play a lot of marimba, but that just, that's just my training. That's part of my text. It's part of who I am. Um, but I, I you know that that was kind of. Me being myself, don't let people tell you what to do just because society's definition of, oh, you need to do this and do this competition and then do this. It's not going to work this way anymore. Like it, it, 2021, even to back in 2016, it's not going to work. It, was, it, it wasn't really working. So I think I'm doing something right. I don't know what's right because nothing is black and white anymore to this date, and especially after COVID, everything's going to be changed. Um, so it was kind of the same thing. I tell myself, to, to, you know, when, when I meet students um, in classes and in tours, it's just like, oh, I have this crazy idea about, you know, a, 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 I don't know, just coming out of weird examples, um, a German rock band in the 80s, you know, with air guitar playing and playing Zanakis. Can I combine all three of them? Why not? If no one's doing it and if you think it's really cool, find someone that can write something for you and develop this. If we're not doing this, nothing moving forward. We're, gonna, we're just going to be playing like dead white folks music from like the 70s. 
like what's the point? So that's kind of my very long answer to your very big question. <laughs> that's a Pandora box of questions. I didn't realize it would be. That's exciting. I'm, uh, Do you ask all of your guests the same questions? Uh no, I mean, I, I, I have yeah. kind of like placeholder questions that are kind of like ways in and then I figure out kind of where to go from there. Right, the, all the best 40 adult contemporary and then you have the, you know. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> um, let me, let me, so a couple things that you said I want to kind of get some follow-up on. One is in, in your, so you're in, you're in Hong Kong, that's where you live, what do they recognize as um, as equal rights for a gay couple? Like, is, does this include kind of like visitation, will, like those kind? Is, is that all, um, you know, uh, things that are, that are kind of like hospital visit, like that kind of stuff? Is is that included in? Do you know? What, do you know? What I, I I want to say yes. I want to say yes to visitation and and will. But I'm okay. not sure, but I do okay. know because we were filing taxes together, and we yeah. were filing, you know, his his visa and you know benefits through me and all of that. And it was, it was. Um, you can find like a little asterisk on every single piece of um, uh, government documentation, yeah. somewhere form somewhere. There was like a, a a footnote about about this. So I need to make. I don't know. Maybe I think the will thing. I think the will thing might be um, might be true, but visitation, I, I need to check up on that. That's a, that's a good thing to, to check on, actually. You know, when you're putting all these things together um, that you, you just talked about, and then, you know, you have a break, and then you're able to do them, had you had um, reps in, in kind of putting these kinds of concerts together, had you had reps in in thinking about this, this uh these types of, of themes that you had put together, or was this this kind of a brand new way that you were thinking about presenting contemporary music, presenting your own voice? Not necessarily. We always have repertoire. Um, we always planned out program because people here love their deadlines. Like, <laughs> like 16, 18 months in advance deadlines. Like, mm, wow. I don't know what's going to happen after even six months. How am I... Like you asked me to this write weekend. <laughs> a, a grant proposal, which is okay. Like a year in yeah. advance, I think it's pretty normal grant. But you you you're asking me to put down a specific venues and and date. Yeah. And it was like call them. I'm like, um, this doesn't make sense to me because like I, I no. And they were like, yeah, you can just change it. I said, then why are we putting this down? What's the point? So, oh, you know, it's 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 it was protocol. I was like okay so just put something like crazy like a ten thousand seat auditorium mm-hmm. great yeah and then, and then yeah, you get it approved <laughs> i know and i'm like oh crap now i gotta play like a lady gaga style concert with like a like a ball like coming down like opening things that would be really cool yeah. but um <laughs> but no yeah we we plan all these my my own concert and my group's concert we always sort of I would say a backward process. We always have really good repertoire idea first. Like we, like three out of the four pieces we play in this diverse concert, uh, you know, they were they were um, p- part of a, a consortium, and we were the, the the you know, one of them we actually initiated the entire consortium, but two two of them we were one of the, the more active um, consortium member, and 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 that just so happened we have all these repertoire ready. Um, I would say sixty forty. 
the 60 part being we have the repertoire and then let's do a concert and then let's just find sort of a theme for this concert. The 40 is, you know, we light bulb moment and let's just do it. We have a theme. Like just Karen always comes up with a really good theme and it's like, let's do this. And like, okay, what can we fit in? That kind of thing. We did a, a um, so my partner, Karen, she is an absolute fanatic for craft beer, okay. particularly like, like home brews. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's a, these are the really, a guy, I don't, I don't drink beer. Um, so I don't know anything about beer, but we did a concert two years ago about beer pairing. So we, we selected, you know, a program of different pieces. Um, and then we, we, she paired, she chose different beer in, in according to the taste level of the piece and the, 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 the tasting notes of the beer and the unit sort of pair it together. Um, that kind of thing. So we, we did a, a 2.0 version of that with wine, because I drink wine, uh, particularly Argentinian wine. <laughs> um, okay, let's do Argentinian wine. What can we program in this? Kind of like that. So kind of a little bit of both. Um, and everything just sort of come out well together. Like we ended up programming, you know, Viet Quang's water wine, Brandy Brine in the wine pairing concert with 15 wine glasses. How perfect is that, right? Um, so it's, it's sort of, it's sort of, um, like something like this. Yeah. And do you get then just progressively more hammered as the, the concert goes on and then maybe you start playing better or, you know, maybe the, the program gets a little bit looser or something like that as it goes. I think cause I don't drink beers so that beer. No, beer, it's about the I wine was, part. I was, I was very like, you know. And the last piece, we did a Sarah Henney's improvisation piece because, you know, I don't drink beer, but I need to drink because everybody needs drinking. I I, I don't want to feel like I'm missing out. So I brought my own bottle of wine. So what? One bottle is four big glasses or five glasses, depending on who you're asking. Mm -hmm. Let's just say we're in Spain. So it's four big glasses. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, you know, I I, I was kicking like a like a mixing ball across the venue because it was a Sarah Henney's piece. I can, I have a lot of freedom. I, I might have kicked a little too hard. Um, you know, I was looking to that thing and the chairs for a while, um, you know, cause I, I'm also very pale as an Asian and I get um, Asian flush really easily. And, and you can tell, but um, yeah, for, for the wine, for the wine one, uh, you know, we were okay. Cause mm-hmm. um, we had already got the, cause we, I was a wine person, so I was already doing the tasting. Yeah. So I had known that what I wanted to choose, and I, the wine was in my blood, like you know, two weeks prior. Right. So it's, <laughs> it's fine. So we have cases, and and it was ready, and it was we contacted like the Argentinians wine is hard to find in Hong Kong, but we find like a dealer, and we yeah. we got it ready, and they're like, okay, let's do this, and oh, do you want some tasting portion? Of course, I want some tasting portion. Send it over. I don't, I don't mind. Come on, let's do it. So it was fun. So most of the time it's just us drinking in the studio and figuring out what to do, but that was good. Oh, that works. Yeah, that's definitely a pretty good program because I, yeah. I feel like this can be toured anywhere. Well, like if we go to Mexico, we can do like a mezcal pairing. If we go to, I don't even know where, like if Alabama, we can do like a moonshine tasting. I don't know. It's going to sure. hurt their head, but sure. You got, you got a lot of options. It's a, it's a, what it is, is it's a great, um, it's, it's a great format that you can just adopt to any, to really any situation. Yeah. And then you sit there and go, where do I want to go? Well, what kind of wine is in Hawaii? And you're like, all right, 
we're gonna make this happen for instance yep just ask some just ask some hipster and like yo what's what's in right now and they're yeah. like yeah you know i just need floor type and that's it we can we can do it yeah exactly yeah why or, or how did you end up being in hong kong in the first place so my family is from here my parents still live here i i, I was born and raised here and did most of my adult schooling here until my master's. So I moved to the U.S. for my master's. Um, I came back sort of, well, I was finishing my DMA and it, it was just like a, a, a gut reaction. Of, I remember like what, we got a graduation late May-ish. That sounds about right. So my lease was up in August. Um, and I remember I was packing. I, I've made the decision to move back in July not planned at all i was supposed to stay and do like a one-year gap year um it was sort of a gut feeling because i was at that point because i had left hong kong for about a decade and things have changed very quickly um so i i was kind of out of touch of what the scene was about in hong kong because when i left hong kong i was going to grad school to become a timpanist i did all these timpanist audition and you know, went to Aspen Music Festival. I was like the real audition machine. Then I, 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 I decided in the mountains of Aspen, I decided to switch to not play any more auditions because I can't, I can't deal with that, that entire game. I love playing orchestral music. I just can't deal with that right. computer-like process. So I told my teacher right down the spot, like in week eight, I, re- I remember, like, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'll just do something else. I, I'm, I'm done. And he was like, cool, let's do something else. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I, I did not know what the, not even the contemporary scene, just percussion scene. I, 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 I don't have, I didn't have much idea. Um, so I, but what I've seen is there are, it's been more activities, um, groups and individual artists as, um, you know, started things and curating things kind of like that. So I was like, maybe I can try it out and see what's going to happen. Um, and from what I've learned here, yes, it's been changing. It has changed, but it's actually very slow um, compared to 10 years ago. Yeah, it's changed, of course, but it's not as fast as I, as I thought. People are still playing really bad repertoire here in the, in the college level, and they're going to audition, and they're like, why aren't I getting to schools playing these pieces? I'm like, honey, that's not going to work. That's a gig piece. You, you're, you're competing with like these this 20-year-old, 19-year-old who can play con variation faster and more accurate, and you, you can't play a piezo arrangement. You can't. This is not just, it's not going to work. And, 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 which bugs me a lot because they are so, these, these are the children who were born in the technology, right? Not me. I, you know, what, what te- I, I use MS-DOS when I was like three on my mom's computer. So like what, what technology. Um, and and, and with, with YouTube and everything's online, they can't, it, like they have their knowledge and their palm. They can, they can Google anything in three seconds, but they are not, they, they're still not, seeing the other side like why why should i be playing these pieces or oh, they, they're not asking the right questions i, I still don't know what they're thinking um luckily the, the student i'm teaching because i think you know i believe the laws of attraction i'm kind of new agey too i'm an atheist um very new agey i believe in a lot of attraction so i feel like whatever i'm sending out um i would attract certain type of people that was the one to study with me um, and it, it was kind of the case. The people I want to work with, who I'm working with, I choose who I'm working with. You know, very same level of energy, 
um, ethics and, and values. And my students as well, like they're very open-minded and, and they're getting into really good schools um, offers. They just got their offer, right? Um, and they're doing the right thing. They are doing what's supposed to, they're, they're possessing what the next generation of, of musician, what they should have. Um, not just playing, you know, a perfectly good Bach and playing whatever many pieces you're playing. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of, how I'm seeing this here is I wanted to change because the folks here are really smart. Um, they, the brain, they're, they're very smart. The, the students here, um, they, they're lacking in critical thinking, but that's just how the education system here is. But it's like, it's not in school. Like the, the way that they were taught in high school, I understand this. I went to high school here. It's like really spoon fed. It's still very spoon fed here, but they're asking question now, not enough, it's getting somewhere pro some kind of progress is good but um I, you know i i hope they look they, they even further um funding is here and there are more people like myself who are coming back from abroad um you know, sort of starting things and they are saying oh wait that's not just orchestra anymore it's not just playing orchestra or teaching kids like you have something else you can self-curate you can go to festivals and stuff um so that's what we're trying to do here I, you, I, you had hit upon the point I think I was expecting, which was the, um, like the access, access to the, you know, access to the information, but not the, not the, not the, the next step of, is this the good or the bad information? You being in Hong Kong now is, are you're putting together kind of like your own studio? You do work through a school where, where's, how, what's kind of the way you're making your living at this point? pre-COVID, okay? This sure, is Pre-COVID, right. This is mm -hmm. easier. Yes, I work for a school. Um, the, the system is a little different here. None of the schools here hired full-time performance faculty, if that makes sense. It's a very old British system. Mm -hmm. They have all these assistant professors in composition, in musicology, but they have like a list of 60 adjunct for um, instrumentalists. So they, yeah. the, the student choose... Um, whom they want to work with. Um, and there are only there it's eight um, universities slash one conservatory, seven universities here. Only three of them offers music program and only two of them offers um, performance um, program. Yeah. So I do work with both schools and, um, you know, it's a pretty sweet gig, but it, it's, it, it's messy because when you have a studio of like 10 people and they all sit with different people, there's no unity in style. There's no unity in just like how to organize shit. Like, oh, right. can I say shit? Yeah. There's an E on this. Go okay. for it. I swear like a sailor, but uh, yeah, yeah. In, the very, in a very loving way. You can believe that out if it's PG-13. But then again, kids know better. Um, I was going to say, yeah, messy studio, just like habits. It's, it's something that I, I picked up from, you know, when I did my grad school, it's like, we have really strict standard of what, how things should go and where, do, you know, we should play when you know something like that. Um, but you know, that's just not going to change. It's a matter of funding from the government. Mm -hmm. Why are they hiring her full time? If, if they can, with that chunk of money and, and, and you are teaching only two students, right? Cause it makes sense. Um, the same way with, with other faculty, uh, surge in the U S right. You have to do X many amount of hours and maybe even teach like a theory course or whatever. Um, it's the same way. Um, so I, I did that um, the two semesters, right? With spring, uh, with fall and spring. 
during my breaks, I tour a lot um, with the same grant money. Sometimes if I were just, so, you know, because I like we like to travel. If we were traveling and we are in that part of the world or that part of the neck of the wood or whatever, I might do something because we're already there. But I do self-create some tours myself. Um, uh, you know, I organize them myself. Um, with the same grant money that they they, they provide from here from the government, um, festivals um, and playing concerts here, and that's actually keeping my schedule pretty full w- with my with my group. Um, and COVID changes everything, but I think we're pretty lucky here in Asia. We were never in lockdown, even though people freak out here with like, oh, there's a spike in cases and there's like 95 people. I'm like, honey. Seven million people, and then there are a hundred kids. That's not a. I mean, there's a spike from two. But if you think about the U.S., you have like thousands of people dying, and and the urgency of getting vaccinated is so different there. And people here are not very. They're they're just because we're still like commuting every day, even at the height of all these like of peaks. Right, we're still going on the train. We're still taking buses. We're still. crowded here yeah. we're real lucky that way we can go out we can go to restaurants we can do shit we, we're not like confined in a place um so teaching actually was main my main part of um making my living during COVID times because we're still teaching yeah. and once uh you know the parents my colleagues teach a lot of kids i don't teach, I, I have a couple of private students but they do a lot of um band program a lot of um group classes so once that the, the, the school figured out, oh, COVID is going to stick for a while, right? After six months, they're like, let's figure out a new way of teaching. So it's, it's, it's happening. People are not out of a job. They're getting paid the same amount, even, you know, Zoom or a mixed hybrid method. Um, so it's, it's been okay. It's, it's, been, it's been not bad. It's not like we, we need to sell our shit and like, let me get my pearls from the, from the safe and like go to the pawn shop. Like none of that's happening um do you own most pearls? Of the, i mean um maybe a couple of diamonds okay fair enough yeah yeah not a pearl person but you know okay. diamonds are forever right but you can but, still clutch a diamond i mean maybe not in the same i can way i can pearl. i can clutch i can clutch this and it would work it's all about the chest it's all about that <laughs> right you know it's a gasp <laughs> i mean yeah so people you know it's been it's been okay uh, uh, people and i would say People with full-time jobs here, there, there, there was only one orchestra here that's that's the professional full-time orchestra. They have been taking things for granted, I, I, I'd say. They, they're, you know, because they've been in lockdown-ish and they, you know, the concert hall weren't open for like, I don't know, nine months or so. But they're still getting paid. Um, and, and, and I went to some of their, the players, um, sort of community outreach gigs and the levels are, they, they're like, they're not prepared. You, you can tell. Yeah. They're not prepared. They're 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 they're, they're just half-assing the whole thing and, and yeah. hoping that the public won't know because they're, again, they're professional, professional, and they're all marketing and all that shit. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, just play this cello quartet. That itself is a problem. Why are we playing cello quartet? And B, like, it's not that hard to not screw up as a professional, but they're not putting the effort. But they're but they're getting paid. Right. Um. That's not just not fair. True. I mean, it's probably for them, it's got to be just so it's so completely different because their schedules are always really, really regimented. And then to have nothing, I would imagine, is just way different. 
I mean, they've been partying a lot. I, <laughs> right. I, I, so I, I've seen their Facebook. <laughs> They're going on these like yacht trips and barbecue trips and hiking trails and drinking and because they have time, right? Right. Yeah. yeah it depends on what you do. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to generalize all, all of them inside because like one of my older teacher, um, you know, the principal Timpin is here in Hong Kong, Phil, he's from Chicago. He's working his ass off as a composer. So he's not, he's also have like three kids. So he's not, he's not partying. He's, he's still working. So not everybody's like that. Right. But a high percentage. Yes. A good chunk of people. Yes. The twenty-something-year-old tenured principals are. Yes, <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> Actually, that same principal was caught using his phone on stage about ten years ago. Using his phone, to, just oh, just like texting during a concert or something. Yeah, like you know, he'd win brass player. Okay, just sitting, and then there, you know, the music stand. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the audience normally won't really um, sit, but you know behind them because there's a it's blocked off normally for choir and, yeah, and, yeah. and it's just blocked off normally but that might be like a headliner concert like like the artist director yap you know the same some director with new york phil mm-hmm. um you know he, he was conducting or something so it was like sold out so they have to open you know everything and then there was like a phone and then like the media went nuts <laughs> <laughs> all right well well let's back up so in hong kong Tell me a little bit about the what's kind of the the standard in terms of you talked a little bit about kind of the system of of school briefly, but but tell me a little bit more about you know are um, are there different music schools? Is the is the education of music in like a, a public school or, or that same version? How how does that work out? So it's very homogenous. Okay. Public school, private school. Um, so in the U.S., if you have, if you think about it, in the U.S., you have a band program, right? You hire a full-time band director, right? Um, and that particular band director doesn't teach music. That's a separate person. Oh, it might be the same person. It depends. Let's just say there's a separate. Let's say we're in Texas. It's just weird, you know. There's a separate band director, and then that band director would teach every single instrument, right? Some sort yeah. of method class, and mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't work this way. And so the school itself through the full-time music teacher they will hire contractors to run these band programs um and these band programs again the same contractor would hire like my colleagues for example to to teach these instrument classes and very popular here it's just how how it is um so this is sort of like an after school curricular activity you know, they'll have the school day and like at lunchtime or at like 3.30, they will have an hour instrument class, a group of five, group of 10, group of 15, whatever. Um, that's, so I'm 34. When I was six, seven, when I was seven, I think that's when they first started to adapt this mode of a band program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of the first, second batch of student to do that. Um, but now everybody have to do it. Everybody sort of like it's given. You have to sing in a choir, or you have to be in a string orchestra, or you have to be in a band program. It's like it's mandatory. Um, it doesn't matter if you go to private school or public school because they are contractors. Oftentimes, you will have the same tutor. Like my one of my colleagues here, he, you know, she taught she she teaches in a lot of the schools all over Hong Kong, and like one of the top the 
the, the best public school and then the best public school and then the best, best private school. And then, you know, some of the shittier, sh- shittier, like really bad public school, like, you know, those it's everywhere. Um, so it's pretty affordable, I would say. Um, it's like the spectrum is really wide. Uh, you know, they get paid. If it's a really good private school. They get paid up to maybe 80 US for an hour. They, mm-hmm. they have money. Um, for a public school, maybe 40 40-ish. If you're a fresh graduate, and if you, um, you know, if you have some experience, you can, you can, you can haggle and go up to maybe 50, something like that. So most of the music graduates um, are, do, are making their living doing something like this. Exception for pianists. Pianists, are, I mean, there, there's no shortage here for pianists. They just have it's private students. I don't know where they come from. Mm-hmm. Um, they just have these private students. They teach. Um, I think there's anything. There's one exception, um, and that's international school. So international schools run their own thing. They have their own program. Closer to it depends on which school, like, but closer to a, a, a British model. Um, of course, American international school is going to be running American system, but most of them are sort of sort of um, international baccalaureate system. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, uh, IB programs. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. What was the last thing you said? The international IB program, okay, baccalaureate. It's like yeah. a high school diploma. Yeah, okay. Um, that. So, but I would say that's a very small percentage of the student body here. Maybe like five percent, five ten, because it's expensive, right? Um, public school is free, and private school, it's expensive. It's there, and p- people do actually pay for private school. I went to private school, um, and and it sort of fostered more open environment. Like my my parents enrolled me into that private school because at that time. My school was the only school that that promotes sort of this open-minded thinking about what you can do in life, sort of situation. It's not as spoon-fed, mm-hmm. um, but I, I did when I, I I did go to a normal public school because they have a very strong band program and we won competition shit. So like I wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, so I, I I've been through both and it was very different. It was it took me some years to adjust, or, or I never adjust and I become this person that I am. There it is. Tell me a little bit more about the country because it's like I can, I can, I think I can see it on a map, but I might be seeing a different country when I've when I've when I've seen it. So, and I know it's got there's a like recently a pretty fraught like political stuff is right. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, can it help me out here? <laughs> so. China, right? You think about China. Mm-hmm. So, China, yeah, we are in the southern tip. Yeah, across. You're, you're connected. Are you? Is it actually physically connected? We are connected. Water? There is a land border. Okay. So when you fly into Hong Kong as an American, um, you you know you fly in, you you go you go through custom and passport control, right? Yeah. You know, visa exam. You don't need a visa, um, and then strange thing is. I mean, I don't, we, 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 we sort of, it's by definition, we know because we live here and, and we just forget a lot of we don't know. Um, if you say, oh, let's go to China, let's go across the border from like where I am right now to the borders about Hong Kong is small. It's about, um, where are you? You're in Missouri, right? Yeah. I'm not familiar with that part of the world. Okay. Do you know New York at all? Like kind of? Yeah, I grew up there. <laughs> oh, where? Yeah, Long Island. Oh, we're on Long Island. Uh, Glen Cove, Oyster Bay. So about an hour ten east of Manhattan. 
Okay, we will take the train. We will touch on that subject. Long Island holds very, very close to my heart. I used yes, to go to yeah, we, Well, I talked about it, I talked about it with Abby. And I knew it would, I figured it would come up. Yeah, I yeah, I love uh, yeah. Well, to, to talk, yeah, I love Long Island. Long Island, it's great. Um, <laughs> so if you if where I am right now, sort of in the middle of Hong Kong, where the there's no downtown part because all this is like it's like neighborhoods, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like New York. You have the neighborhood and you have this center everywhere. Right. From where I am to the border is maybe from Penn Station to all the way to the Bronx. Okay. Yeah. It's not that far. Really. It's not, not that, that far. far. There, there's a lot of mountains, a lot of, it's really hilly in that area. Yeah. I think 60% are, 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 are hills. So the flat part are really coveted. So everything's really tall. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when you go to China, you will go through another border control. You would go out of Hong Kong, you would get stamped out and then you'll go into China custom and passport control. And then they will turn you back because you need a visa for that. So it's a, it's a you mean if, you mean if I was if I was if I was flying into Hong Kong and I decided I wanted to go to China, I would have right. to get a visa to go to China. Actually, even though we are part of China, okay. we so us in Macau have this special after our colonies passed um, mm-hmm. special status yeah. to keep our own law and police and our system and, and judicial system um, for X amount of years. And the protest started two years ago was because of this. It's because mm-hmm. there are, it, China is tightening the grip on this. Yeah. Um, and it was, if you've read the news like two years ago, there were like bombs and protests yeah. everywhere. It was yeah. huge. Cause I was, I was on, I, I was on tour in Argentina and Mexico that time. And my little tiny little Island city state made it onto Argentinian news. I thought that was huge. And yeah. of course it's huge now that we, that we like, like we know. So that's kind of where we are right now. And it's kind of subdued because well, COVID, right? Um, but I don't know what's going to happen, to be honest. Um, it's, it's so hard to, to plan ahead and, and you never know what sort of in store for us in the next couple of years. So I don't know, but that's the quick answer for Hong Kong. It's yeah. kind of like a separate country, but kind of, kind of not in a separate country in a way that we use, we have our own money, we have our own banking, we have our own everything, but we don't have our own military. So we're using Chinese military and Chinese government in Beijing still control certain part of our decision making. Okay. But we do have like a sort of a prime minister situation here. Is, is, is Hong Kong culturally different? Very much so. Okay. I don't know, back in the 50s? No, my mom's generation, that must have been the 50s. Yeah, it, it, like if you think about Second World War, after the war, people, because they were fleeing from China, right? They're, it's not the best place to live in, um, and there's no food and everything, so they were, like my grandma, oh, my, my grandma's mom, I guess, great-grandmother, they all like came to Hong Kong and basically... We're kind of immigrants in a way, like, but we're culturally different because we get a head start on the economic boom in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. Um, because of the British, because of all the foreign investment, because of mainly because of the British um, influence here. But China is catching up very quickly, so quick that I think it's going to change even, it may, it's changed now. 
um, you know, China become a more a middle class country yeah. to more upper middle class. Then when I was a kid, because my mom has businesses in China and in the U.S. and and the factories in China, and when we went to these vac factory visits, it's like it's like all like rural area and 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 that, and that was in the early 90s mid 90s and it's changed um, people really technology and, and a lot of new money coming in because i think the chinese government have adopted into into a new sort of capitalist communist regime i guess yeah um so it's, it's changed a lot but culturally really we are different how do i answer this this is this, it's like is it is it a, is it partially a, a, is it partially like a language thing it is a language thing because we we spoke we we speak the lot the, the largest um chinese dialect which is cantonese we mm -hmm. are ethnically can cantonese people okay. and, and th that's like a, a the one of the largest and because of chinese immigration diaspora everywhere in the world you can find someone to speak cantonese mm -hmm. um it's an identity issue as well because even our chinese script is different we use traditional chinese script whereas in china and singapore and malaysia they use a simplified version Okay. Um, so there's been a lot of this um, identity issue with us. I would say we are more westernized. That's not the proper way to say it. But like growing up in the 90s, I would say our values and our what we're exposed to are more in line with what you know you, you, you guys are exposed to it this, this the same way. Um, there's some censorship here. So we, we can search for whatever stuff we want to watch and the kids you know, as a result of that, or you know, they think things differently. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not the case um, in, 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 in China. And even in, in, in Singapore, I think they, they censor some stuff in Singapore by the government. When you're, when you're growing up, were you able to just kind of, if it was like leisurely, could you travel? Could you go to lots of Asia? Could you go back and forth from China? Or is that, has that even, is that even different now? Uh, it's the same. We need to get a special travel card to go to china okay so like so we we have a hong kong passport which yeah. is different than the chinese passport okay um very different visa rules like we have a lot of exemption for visa going mm -hmm. to europe and what whatnot for, for them they need a lot of visas yeah. um because of immigration right but for us to go back to china Again, we have to go out of hong kong so we have to go through hong kong immigration and we go into chinese immigration with that like particular card that says for Chinese travel only. Yeah. Um, and, and there's an agency for that, just for that. When I was little, it was kind of the same, but we were a colony. So everything, everything was an extra layer more difficult because you have to go through the British authorities to mm -hmm. create this special status travel card for us to go back to Hong Kong. I mean, to this date, because um, I'm a child of, you know, British colony, we have a special British passport that was only issued to us. It was born before the handover, mm. but we don't have the same rights as a full British citizens until I think last year, because they were opening up um, to, to, to us. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, and we are always traveling because Hong Kong is so small. Yeah. Like, you know, if you, if you were to like have a vacation, you know, you can, you can go to the U S is really big, right? You can go to even drive a couple of hours and you're in, entire different city right you're right. in missouri so you can be in the south and then that's like a complete different that's like what whoa whoa right, right. you know for us we have to fly because we can go to the beaches but you get, you get bored and you have a week of holiday what do you do so we go to japan a lot we go to taiwan a lot taiwan is only 
one, about one, two hours flight away. Okay. And culturally, we're very, we're very similar. Um, the, the, they speak Mandarin, but we, we use the same traditional Chinese script and okay. we have the same, um, strong Western value, I, I would, I would say. Yeah. Um, and it's very like just the way that we do things are very uh, close to each other. And, you know, Korea, Japan, Singapore, Malaysia, all these Southeastern country are really close. If you think about how Americans go to Cabo or go to Cancun, yeah. the same equivalent is for us to go to Thailand to get cheap massages and, and, and huts and beach resort. It's the yeah. same thing. So it's, yeah. it's kind of the same situation here. Right. You could just go to, it's just a different country. Is the difference? Yeah. And be, I mean, and being, being, being um, mostly upper middle class here, mm-hmm. people do travel a lot and they go far. Yeah. Like when I was little, again, child of the 90s so you know flying was still a big thing yeah yeah you're like ooh, yeah wow you know um you went you know i went to japan i went to disney when i was 12 and that was i went to la when i was 12 and that was like people my, my classmates were, were like oh what do you bring me like this is like a big thing yeah. but like you know my my 15 year old student they're just nonchalant oh i just came back from switzerland <laughs> great what did you do um, you know, we skied, um, we ate some fondue, but I can't because there's wine in it. Um, it was really chill. It was just on my phone. And I'm like, can you just be on your phone here? Why do you have to go to, what is it, Gestad or whatever? Um, I was like, yeah, yeah, my, yeah my, 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 my mom really liked it there. Yeah, we're going to go to Rome next time. Sure. Wow. Great. <laughs> I mean, I'm also benefiting from traveling because of my work and it's how easy for us to travel now. But traveling is not, we're not strangers to traveling. People are like, one of the, it's really sad. One of the incentives here to get people vaccinated is to get these like travel bubbles going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they're not, they're not thinking about vaccination because of their own safety or public health angle. Right. It's like, so we can travel. Yeah. Isn't it really sad? I mean, I got oh, vaccinated like, like like the first thing that came out, like we can vaccinate, let's go, babe. Let's we we, yeah. we went. All my friends are like, oh, let's wait. I don't think we need to. I'm like, that's not how a vaccine works. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good point. But hey, if it, if it means that people get vaccinated, I I can't be I can't be mad at that. I think it's working because that came out as a as a government like press release two days ago, and people are talking. Like they, they got people talking. They're like, oh. Maybe we should do maybe 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 we should go register. So when my mom starting to um, get the apartment for the vaccine next week, they were like, "Oh, it's, it's actually getting pretty booked up." Like, what what happened? Because I told her like when I booked it, it was pretty easy. I, I can choose any time I want. Like, they're yeah. green green everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was like, "No, it we you know it's not the case anymore." I'm like, "Okay." I mean, I should have faith in my people, but I really don't. So I don't think it's coming out of a public health angle. Um, cause my husband is in public health. So like I, 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 I have firsthand information about public health and I'm like, I, I really don't have faith in these people. Like this 20 something euro is like, yeah, I'm healthy, but I don't want to, I'm going to see what's going to happen first. What's going to happen. Like you, you need to go get yourself vaccinated. We have extended the age bracket to 16 and up. There's no excuse. You can just go. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I gave up. It's like, yeah. All my aunts are like asking me about this. And then because my husband is a trained pharmacist and in public health. Yeah. So like I get a lot of unsolicited drug question at all times anyway. Yeah. Um, 
And then they would just ask, like, I mean, like, you've asked me a month ago and my view hasn't changed. I've got my two shots since you asked me. Yeah. What more do you want? And you're like 62. Aren't you like high risk? Like you should do it. Yeah. You know, spring chicken. You're like 62 and the other end is like 68. Like you should go do it. Right. Well, I mean, to be fair, it is. Uh, I think it's that's part and parcel of being either public health or a physician. I know anytime I see my one of my siblings who's a ER physician, I'm like, what's this? Like, I got this pit. Like, and he, and he he knows it's coming. Like, it's one of those things. Like, you just know that you're going to get. This okay, part. you're a sibling. You're allowed. Sure. You know, like grandma, I would, it's fine. I would, I, I'm, you know, grandma can ask, but like an aunt I don't talk to for like five years. That's a different problem. <laughs> like, I don't even know. I was like, who are you? Like, cause I don't have, a, I don't, I, we don't talk. Like I don't have a number. Like my, my dad don't even talk to that aunt, like that sister anymore. Right. I'm like, dad, who is this? Like, oh, it's one of my, it's one of my sisters. Like, oh, wait, her. The last time I've seen her was like, Maybe, maybe, maybe 10 years ago. So yeah. yeah, something like that. I'm like, okay, it's grandma. Okay. Something happened. Like, no. So what? I, I don't know. You find out. I don't talk to her. So like, I find out. Like, oh, right. Drug question. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell him that, 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 that's, that's part of the deal that we've, since we've grown up together. Oh, I'm an, I'm an only child. So if oh. I, if I have a sibling in some sort of like professional field, yeah. I will ask the shit out of anything. I would just be so annoying about this. Cause I, I think, I mean, I'm already doing this to, to him, like, you know, he said, ask the pharmacist, can I do this? Can I take this? <laughs> so you go to undergrad in, in the country, in Hong Kong, right? So when you say in the country, I kept picturing like in the country, like, oh. you know, like, you know, like I'm some, I'm, I'm like, like bumpkin with gingham print and like, you know, okay. You know what I mean? When you say country, it's just like, you know, it's, sorry, keep going. <laughs> uh, it, are, how, how many, how many options are there for in Hong Kong for upper, for, you know, either universities or universities that have music programs that you'd want to go to? Three. Okay. So there is the conservatory, which is the, I don't know what statistic they're getting this from, but they're branding it as Asia's finest. And number one, I was never able to find that statistic anywhere. Um, it's a, and I know it's a, it's that there's a statistic, man. Statistic. There are quotes. there are other conservatories in Singapore. I think it's better. So I don't know. And it, it didn't. Um, so that's like your main conservatory performance heavy. Yeah. You know, very close to what you would used to it, like a Juilliard and uh, or MSM, whatever. Right. And then there are two other universities offer um, uh, music program. One of them doesn't offer performance program. It's okay. more of like a general BA in music. Yeah, okay. Um, all of them offers, of course, general, and then all of them offer composition. You can do your own research on musicology, yeah. your own research. Um, and there is one more for education. So it's like a five-year program, um, very close to what you have in the U.S., um, and that's kind of the case. And it's still the case here. Nothing's really changed. Like Even though the university um, I, I did my undergrad in, yeah, that's the university with the performance program and the one yeah. that I'm teaching in right now. They have expanded a great deal, like fivefold in terms mm-hmm. of student body and degree programs, but they don't still have the same caliber 
as you know performance standard wise or even just in general like students equality as the conservatory um and it's still pretty much the same way i would say percussion is always a little different but i, I think it re- remains the same at large where most of the students go into school they perform they learn the repertoire they don't really go to grad school because we don't have a graduate program so people have to go abroad the last past generation um mm-hmm. the you know the graduates from the 90s they always go to the uk because of ties with the uk right with yeah. the colony um and some of the the department heads and the teachers are all dead or retired they're all from commonwealth countries so mostly uk and australia so that tradition sort of was passed along here mm-hmm. and, and you can ex- you can expect like a very traditional orchestral route which is w- what i did um you know in no matter what instrument you're doing if you wanted to continue your study it's going to be an orchestral route it's going to be it's going to be um auditions and stuff maybe one two percent of the people would do competitions as soloists not a lot yeah. um, when because i never went to that conservatory um the teachers i study with here is an american james yeah. so he he was just like if you try that in the u.s because the stuff that i'm teaching you um or because he went to boston university in the early 90s mm-hmm. um he was like this is what i've learned and he's also a composer so he's really he's really into contemporary music so that was my first time like getting to know who Sanakis is and what his music is like and mm-hmm. you know Donna Tony because I was I didn't know what it was I was just like oh this is crazy stuff um so I was kind of the first batch of you know weird student who go to the U.S. and and figure out what is the style there and to this date people do not really do auditions in the U.S. um they they they, they I don't want to say they're lazy but they still go to the UK because of one or two particular schools. Um, you can just send in a tape and they take everybody. I, and I mean everybody because they want their money. Yeah. It's a business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You, you know, it's, 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 it's one of the top five schools in the, in, in, in the UK, but then again, the all top five schools are the Royal schools. So like they're all the same. Um, the, you can tell that they can't really, they, they, they're, they're not as competitive as maybe like a, you know, some of the finest um, U.S. graduate when they finish the master's. Totally not different, not, not, not the same level. And they come back to Hong Kong and they teach kids. So why do you go to grad school? I don't get it. Um, uh, but that's kind of the route here. But more people are going to graduate school in Canada and the U.S. Um, like my students are going to, well, one of them just finished in Boston Conservatory, came back, and then it's going to go to DMA in, in, in Toronto. And the other one's going to Toronto. One of them is going to uh UMass and Amherst, you know, exciting things are happening, definitely. But again, they need to choose what kind of style they want to, like, I'm here. They just need to find me or, yeah. or they need to somehow, co- you know, cosmically, like, oh, wait, there's another side of the world that we can explore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, like, no, 10 out of 15 people still stay in Hong Kong and just um, teach kids. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that's there's a, there is a, a a pipeline or at least a it's there's plenty of people who are available who are available yeah. to take the lessons basically, and there are a lot of students, a yeah. lot of students. They could the, these moms are 
kind of nut jobs and um you know like they 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 you can't even compare to midwestern soccer moms to these moms here it's like <laughs> it's like another story yeah, I, I I don't have a two of them. I'm very lucky, but my colleagues are, and they're always talking about the moms. So I'm yeah, like, yeah. You 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 you're in a pickle. Like I, I'm gonna, but you solve this. Yeah, yeah. You'll uh you, you'll sit back and watch with your with your wine and just be like, oh, that sounds t- that sounds tough. Oh, that that's anytime me doing that in the corner. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm very I'm gay. I'm we're rotten people, so we're judgy. So it's just it's just you know. In case you haven't noticed, um, I'm the crazy one in my duo with Abby. So it's just it's it's, it's a good balance because she's always like, she's she's right. That. It's let let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm this I'm this way too when I need to work, but I'm like, girl, you need to kind of relax sometimes. <laughs> she is. She's relaxing a lot, so it's good. Yeah. <laughs> When you're when you're doing your undergrad, how far in is it for you that you realize that like, okay, if I want, if I want what I think I want, or you did you not you didn't know until you come to the U.S. and then you do that festival that you're like maybe maybe I have a different path in mind. Like, was this bubbling up for you like before then, and then you realize wait, there's another way I can do this, and if I stay here, I'm going to do it in the United States. No, I would say like st- even students now here when they are auditioning into a graduate program, they some of them have uh, sort of a clear path that they want to do, which is mm-hmm. really good because yeah. it comes up in personal statement and in, in stuff like what you want to do in five years or what your research. But I think back then when we went to school, it's just like we just wanted to learn and play. So I haven't thought ahead that much. So I. I was because I, I I used to go to the U.S. every single year um, because of my mom and, and they have business there and I would go to, my 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 godmother is in New York um, mm. and they've known each other for forty years actually she named me Matthew um, and she's just some like sixty something year old hipster who live in the East Village loves her orange hair red lipstick bangs <laughs> um, and she, you know she has a boyfriend still to this day very, nice. very cool. Um, same apartment in the East Village for the last 30 years. You know, a lot of weed. It's a lot of weed. Um, but she's cool. She's cool. Um, so I would go to these trip with my mom and I would walk around because I have basically free time for me. And um, I think maybe towards the end of high school and going into undergrad, um, mostly in undergrad because, you know, I, I was older. So my mom was just, just walk around in certain New York. Which is a bad idea, but she just let me to do it anyway. This I remember true. I walked all the way, all the way from Thirty Third Street to like the West Village. <laughs> like I walk alone yeah. with no phone. I I I I I could I could be killed or robbed. I'm like, did you realize this is a bad idea, woman? She's like, yeah. Now that I know, I'm like, right. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so I would reach out to these um, tri-state area teachers or just percussionists or not even not even teachers, just maybe people in their 20s to talk about stuff and like yeah. take lessons. Actually, I, I, I took lessons um, mm. with some of the professors and, and this is pre-YouTube. Like there's YouTube, yeah. but it's very pixelated. Yeah, yeah. It's still like mom, mom's uploading video camera recording of like, blow the candle, you know, it's just not right. the same thing. Uh, 
And I would get some information and a better grasp of what I could do in the U.S. And then when I come back and I talk to my teacher about it, Jim, and he said, yeah, this is kind of the same way when I was there. But of course, the teacher's going to be different. And back then, it was still very much orchestral oriented. But I, and I loved playing timpani. One of the reasons why I studied with him is because I wanted to play better timpani. And yeah. I really loved playing timpani in orchestra. I think that's one of the sexiest music you can play. Like if you play that right note and, and one of the Mahler symphony, it's like a, ah, it's a great moment. Mm -hmm. um, so I auditioned, I picked, we picked our schools sort of based on that um, orchestral audition timpanis. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. auditioned the San Francisco Conservatory, DePaul University, Northwestern, Roosevelt, because these are all like very orchestral oriented school. Yeah. Um, I did, I did NYU and Manus because it's just because of ease. I'm flying. I was flying into New York um, yeah. first. Okay. Um, and then I was like, yeah, what's in, what's in New York? And I know I was in Juilliard material. I, cause you know, I was sort of a, like, I just know I just, I, I, I didn't want to try. My teacher was like, don't even bother. Um, did not think about MSM cause I did not know about that school at that time. Man is I did cause that's something that he told me to do. And then NYU, was kind of my choice and his choice because Jonathan Haas being a timpanist, yeah. um, Jim told me that he's written certain pieces and sketches and timpanist, you know, timpanist questions, and they, and, you know, he talked to Haas about it. And they both from Chicago, well, Haas from St. Louis, but grew up in Chicago, same sort of um, Midwesterner. Mm -hmm. um, and they have like a connection over the phone. And then he was just like, maybe you should go try him, try it out. And at that point, um, Johnny Haas was in NYU for five, four or five years. So it was an earlier program for him. So I auditioned in all the schools, um, you know, did the craziest thing because now that I think about it, you know, the Paul, I remember, asked for the most excerpts. I, I brought two tambourines, I brought cymbals, I brought two snare drums and you know it was a whole deal yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of it was a lot of stuff i remember it was a lot of stuff it's just like <sighs> um so i went you know i got my offers back and we were deciding i was so sure that i was going to go to depaul because again orchestral school the teachers are really nice and you know james in chicago mm -hmm. and i was like ready to go to chicago like let's embrace that cold um, and, and, you know, he was like, no, I think you should go to New York. You should go to NYU uh, or Manus, depend on what you want to do. But I think you should go to NYU more. And I said, hmm, okay. But the scholarship is not as good as NYU and it's expensive. NYU is yeah. not cheap. Yeah. Um, and I was like, why? And she was like, no, it's just a gut feeling. I, th I think it's a better fit for you as a person. And I was like, <laughs> Should I trust you or not? Because you know my personality really well, and I was still searching what I wanted to do, and at that point it was timpani. And I was like, oh, Jonathan Haas plays a lot of timpani, and he played early timpani solo with Bill Murch, right? And yeah. I'm like, maybe that's something that that that's kind of cool. Maybe I should just maybe I should do it. So I I decided to NYU, and because of him, I was introduced to Eduardo. So I think mm -hmm. everything happened for a reason. Yeah, um, I went to Aspen. Because again, I wanted to do like your, you know, orchestral training. Eight, eight weeks in Aspen, mm -hmm. I think, was the most valuable time for me to build up my chops. Because you just in the high school, well, the campus was renovating, so we practiced in the high school. 
um, you know, with bears and deers and fox and coming, just, you know, you, you do stick control every day. I think that's some of the best, like the chops I have right now to play Zanakis, to play this fast note diarrhea on the vibraphone still comes from that asthma experience. And the same from my timpani playing, it's just like getting relaxed and, you know, playing on stage with like Robert Spano and all these faculty members with like Tom Stubbs and, 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 and David Kerber, Johnny Haas, Doug Howard's and I was playing like triangle. I was playing bass drum. I was playing bass drum with this festival orchestra closing. It was, yeah. I was shitting my pants because it was some of the best experience I, I've ever had. I was like, and Tom Self was just like joking the whole time. I'm like, don't talk to me. I can't, I need to. <laughs> I need to count. <laughs> it's a bass drum in the model too. I can't fuck this up. Do you right. get it? <laughs> I know the kid playing triangle, you know, from Juilliard. It was like his face was green the whole time. Yeah, right. <laughs> like he was a freshman, I remember. And I'm like, dude, cool. Let's just calm down. I think we're going to be fine. But then again, like, like oh, and I, I, and I found out Tom Stubb dated um, one of the pianists here from Hong Kong, who's really famous. Cause that was the first thing that he told me. He was like, you're from Hong Kong. I'm like, yeah, my ex-girlfriend's from Hong Kong, like, like 40 years ago. I'm like, Oh, she's kind of a big deal here. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> like she's like on the pedestal, big deal. Like no one talks yeah. to her in this, like, you know, you don't, you don't make chit chat with, with Nancy. Yeah. She's just like, Ooh. I'm like, Oh, you didn't. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of like that. Had I not gone to NYU, met Jonathan Haas, went to Aspen, have my epiphany at week seven or eight, and then going back to NYU, telling Jonathan I wanted to contemporary music. Yeah. And because that's also his jam, like his, yeah. he loves contemporary music. I did not know that. Um, and then he pushed me into all his repertoire and then pushed me into Eduardo because mm-hmm. he know he, 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 you know, he knows me as a person pretty well, um, Johnny has. And, and, you know, it was like, oh, I think you should study with Eduardo. You know, he, I've worked with him a long time ago and, 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 you know, he, he's a close friend of mine and I think you, you guys work well together. Um, so for my DMA, I only auditioned for Eduardo and mm-hmm. Tim Jenis, mm-hmm. Austin. Um, and that was, that was it. And I felt like it was a sort of a, it's not an instant attraction, but I did enjoy my lessons. Um, and then the more I talked to him as a person, as a friend, um, the more I enjoy studying and learning basically anything from Eduardo. Yeah. That's kind of how it's, 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 it's so different now. Like when my, you know, my students are going to into their masters and this, and, and they're planning their route. Like, yeah. I, I feel like I, it's, it's so not, the times have changed so much. Right. The personal statement requirement changed so much that like, if, if I were to ask to write the research interests, what is your music responsibility in the society? I, like, what, what do you do? Like you, you're, you're like a 20 year old, right? Um, so it's different. And, and I think every, everything happens for a reason. So I think Chicago was not a good choice for me. And you could stay at NYU and, and just change your focus, it seems like, too. Yeah. NYU is a very like weird, in a good way, place because Jonathan Haas has been in the industry for, I don't know, he's 60-something for a long time. And he knows everyone and he... Even if that's not something in its expertise, he knows someone that can help you. Yeah, I mean, so I I respect I respect him a lot because it, it's just something that for someone in the industry and he has businesses. He's a contractor for a musician. He has a rental company. He's running a program, and he's still playing. Yeah, and he's still traveling. So it's just it's just a it's it's just 
I looked up to him and then think about, oh, wow, he's like 60 something. He's really active. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody has really different focus in NYU. I think it changed a little bit. It, it's more focused now um, with more involvement with still percussion and the other summer festival with Sandbox. So it's it's a lot more focused on that particular style of chamber music playing. Yeah. Back then when I was there, when Abby and I was there, we were sort of like do your own thing kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard that um, that Haas is uh, intense. Is that a fair word? I like intense because I'm very intense. Um, but a lot of people can take Eduardo and Haas. Actually, they're both very intense people. Ah. <laughs> um, he, he is intense if you are genuine with him. A yeah. lot of people are not coming into NYU, coming into New York yeah. to get connection and build a career. That's fair mm-hmm. to say, like, if people, you know, they wanted to do that. They want, but then again, there's so many musicians in, 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 in New York itself. Right. Um, so he, I think he knows who's being real and being fake. Yeah. Um, so I think being intense with him is a good thing because he, he's, not, he's not bullshitting you. Right. Like, he's not, he tells you in your face, that's not going to work. That's, you can't. And then it also, he finds the special little things that he see in you and tell you, you should do this. I should trust him on that. He mm. was the first person to tell me I should play vibraphone more. Mm. And I thought that's crazy. Everybody plays marimba. Why vibraphone? Yeah. Um, so I didn't listen to him in the first time. And then my second time I did. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to play more vibraphone because I can play marimba pretty well. And why not looking into this more? So when when do you and and Abby like decide that it's Fisher Lau time? It's Stony Brook time. Oh, it's okay. We were friends. Um, I believe any chamber groups or duo, you have to be good friends first. Yeah. Like think about in, in a studio if you put four random grad students together, they fight. They 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 have problems. Um, yeah. So when I was in my second year of my master's, Abby was. Um, she was transferring from Toronto. Yeah. Um, she was, right. she was transferring, but she had auditioned the year prior. Yeah. Um, I remember, I remember playing with her in her audition because we have, we have a chamber music portion. Um, and I was like, Ooh, who's this tiny little lady? It's just like, yeah. like, like, like ripped the marimba apart playing. I remember playing, playing um, Lansky. She was yeah, yeah. Hops. I was like, who is this? And I was just like texting my other people in the studio, like, come check this out. There's like a there's like a short, tiny little fierce woman here playing Lansky. And she was intense. Yeah. She's straight in your face. Yeah. Um, she was nice, she was intense. I forgot about her, and then like the new year came and we're like, Oh, you're here. Yeah. And then we sort of bonded over um Actually, she is responsible for my now very intensive yoga journey. Oh, okay. She was the first person to like, like let's go to yoga and let's go to sushi together. That was the, the um, sushi. I wasn't sure if it was, it was going to be sushi because I know that that was the thing that she yeah. said was like, you, you could count on you to like whatever really nice food like Matthew uh-huh. should be up on <laughs> ready. She's a really, she's going to kill me. She's a very picky eater. So I have to be like, think about okay if i'm entertaining if she's here what can she eat it's just like it's just okay it's just lactose and like she's lactose intolerant right it's like what what can i do it's just a big portion is a small portion is she gonna eat this it's, you know it, it's, a, it's a lot of things because she yeah. just you know she she's nice but she um yeah we had yoga and, and and sushi and when 
I went to um, Sony Brook first a year ahead of her yeah. um, and we still meet like in between and she'd tell me like did you see gossips about the studio right. and I'm, I would, you know, I'm like oh what's the tea like, oh. and then when she was looking into DMA programs um, she yeah she came to Long Island and we talked because I never moved on Long Island I took that train every day to Stony Brook to Stony Brook holy cow that's a long trip <laughs> I I don't know where it is. I, this is very sad. I have okay. So you you you're from Long Island, you know. Yeah. So you can buy a ten day ten ten trip um, pass, right? It's green. Yeah, yeah. And they punch or mm-hmm. like a monthly pass. I have a framed artwork of all of those tickets. <laughs> nice. And it's very sad if you think about how much money you're spending. Yeah. Um, and it, it's two hours. Yeah. Two trains. I can't take it to Ronkonkoma because I don't have a car. Yeah. It's faster, but yeah. I need I need to it's the twenty minute Uber ride away. And and you know, mm-hmm. I don't have time for this. I need to walk, you know. And again, Long Island traffic, forget it. Yeah, it sucks. No thanks. Yeah, driving up what nickels, it's, it could be like half an hour to like in, in the morning. Yeah. So she took the train out and you know, we because we sh- we oh no, we didn't share offices. She was next to me. But we have our own room, and the rooms are pretty pretty big. Um, the rooms are nice, huge rooms with our own key. She yeah. moved out there um, with her marimba and everything, and that's when we decided to play together. Because in NYU, I, I I forget what happened, but we we decided not to play together the first time, maybe because we weren't really close yet. Yeah. We haven't spent time yet, and I felt like that was a good time, and we know each other really well, and then that was it. And you know we've planned stuff for next year, and you know things are happening. We we're happening. We, we, we're fingers crossed. And next year we'll be going back to semi-normal. But yeah, yeah. Long Island man, <laughs> nightmares slash memories. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. Because I I don't know how to drive, right? Oh. So I and and you know I live with my now husband. Then we're not married yet, but we were like, well, I think we can make it work if I suck. If, if if I just suck it up and do all of the classes in one setting in one year, yeah. which I did. In my second year, I only maybe go out there two, three times a week. Three three times if I have to. Twice if I can schedule everything in one go. Yeah. Um, so I did that. I would I would go take the train, um, do my TA in the morning, teach them classes. Not even practice because I have some instrument at home, like yeah. multi-setup, yeah. I would practice multi-setup and I would develop a very strategic, efficient practice regime with mental study on the train and yeah. then practice those freaking notes and then work on stuff with Abby Fisher and then dinner and leave. And then yeah. it's all one day. Yeah, yeah. I'll be back in the city by midnight, but that's a whole day and then I can just rest the whole the whole next day. Yeah. Um, something like that. Um, and it works. A, a lot of people sort of spread out the classes over three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's worse. For me, that's worse. I'd rather do it in one go. Did you Did you have, for either place, did you have any assistantships? I do. Uh, NYU, no. I just have some sort of scholarship. They don't have a TA program. They have okay. work study, but I was never doing work study. For for some people, I did. It's, it, was, it was a good deal. What was their, what was your purview for that? See, my first year is just a full scholarship. 
my second year, it was a full scholarship with TA. The TA, I got a half TA for the Contemporary Chamber Player, so Eduardo's mm. group, basically. Yeah. It's a student-curated group. We send emails, we you know, we, we put up concerts, we do all the logistic and everything. There are three TAs for that. Um, and then the other half TA, which is, I think it was really valuable, was teaching undergrads, like Music 101, Music History, Ear Training. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I still I, I I still teach ear training in my university today because I have that training. I love I love teaching ear training. I think it's one of the best things you can teach um, to be better musician, to be better at learning pieces. Um, and then my third year, because we're uh, we 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 have we we achieve candidacy, we're advanced. Yeah, yeah. So there's no tuition. The school yeah. cover everything. You just need to pay those fees. Um, and I still have a, a TA for that year plus uh, Stony Brook Pre College um, job. So it was it was okay. Um, I can pay my bills. I, I can, well, but th- those long railway ticket costs a lot. So it's, yeah. you know, got to work hard for the money. It's what yeah. is it three six three sixty three for the month and one eighty something for the for the ten trips. It's a lot. It's a lot for a grad student. That's for sure. Uh, I was always running to places because like, like yep, Matt needs to go, and I would just like dash out with my bag. <laughs> And like a cartoon bubble dust just appeared because <laughs> from the studio to run to the Stony Brook train station, yeah, I run fast. It's seven minutes, but if you walk leisurely, it's fifteen minutes. And if you miss that train, you have to wait ninety minutes for the next one. Yeah, that's a problem. Yep. So, like when when the they would say rehearsal over or something like that before that sentence was done, you were already like out of the building basically to- oh honey no I, I like if it's like 9 30 my drink's 9 40 yeah i'll be ready to go 9 23 <laughs> i plan it out yeah i know the best way to get back i know the best way which door which route i right. have to step on some grass i know yeah. i know <laughs> after missing a couple of trains you then you you, you you know right so that you don't you don't run into anyone surprised like you, that's not that's not gonna happen no, I mean, if I do run it, I, I would just keep running. <laughs> right. Catch me. <laughs> yeah, no, like don't talk. I mean, don't. But then again, a lot of people commute on Stony Brook, actually. We have oh, like a yeah. little train train click going on. Right. Um, because a lot of people go to Stony Brook coming in already have some sort of career. Yeah, a lot yeah. of them are older. They might have orchestra jobs. They might have a family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe only as not a small fraction, but maybe a quarter of us are living on Long Island yeah, yeah. or they are starting fresh from somewhere else. All right. Well, I finish up with a segment called random ask questions. That, that was random. No, no. This, this segment is called random ask questions. Love it. Okay. All right. First question is what's an issue. This one's not random, but what's an issue in percussion education? Most gets under your skin or drives you the most nuts. These preconceived definition that is sunken in because of not only white supremacy, but a lot of them have to do with white supremacy, the definition they've set for this industry. I'm actually hosting another panel next week with um, Modern Marimba and Stephen Hall on this issue. This oh, is, cool. This is good. This is a good plug. Um, yeah, it's going back from what I what I said before about playing what I wanted to play is that why do you have to play certain pieces or mm-hmm. certain style to be successful? This is not it, this doesn't have to do with like white supremacy per se, because 
on this side of the world, I can't really, I have a different perspective on things, um, on discrimination and on white supremacy. Um, but I think in percussion education wise, these pieces or the repertoire we came to know as standard sometimes, we're not playing it because of how well it was written. It's just because on certain people who've done certain things and because he did the arrangement of a piazzolla tunes and it's really nice to listen to and then everybody's playing it without thinking or evaluating if that's the right thing for you to do some of them you know are i don't i mean there are some pedagogical value to all these pieces but it's if you compare it to like let's say flute repertoire mm-hmm. or cello repertoire it's not the same thing yeah. it's not on the same caliber Right. Um, and a lot just so happen has to do with all these predefined or definition that's been set in the 80s and the 90s with universities, mm-hmm. with universities' teachers, right. with university teachers' friends that they have a group going on and they all sort of, let's just do this. Let's, this, is, this is the way. And I'm not saying that's bad because some of them now, those teachers are actually very open-minded into expanding their repertoire into into this. But a lot of them are not. A lot of them think this is just going to blow out. This is yeah. all going to, like, eventually five years later, no one's going to talk about this and we can be playing certain pieces with a coffee cup. Right. You know? Yeah. That's just, I think it's backwards. And I think speaking from, like, the contemporary music aficionado in me it's just mm-hmm. we have all these great pieces with living composers we should be playing and we not not just because the trans they're they're, they're immigrants or the women of color or whatever just because they're well-written music that deserve a spotlight and this is how it should be not because of sort of branding it in a way and i think that's there's a long way to go of changing that if you think about if you take a look at audition repertoire for example mm-hmm. um, like, you know, people brought it out and, and you know, some, some of the school have addressed it and it's slow. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's going to take, it's going to take time. And I think it's going to take time with um, the tenure professor retiring and having a new position created. And, you know, people like myself or the younger generation rise to the occasion and bring changes to the table on that level. Right. And that's going to take, I don't know, how many decades, right? Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. It's the same problem here because the two main older teachers that mm-hmm. have their own circles yeah. are the two older teachers that was in the orchestra here. Mm-hmm. And they have a legacy because, you know, he or she was with the orchestra for 30, 40 years, right? right. But they are outdated and they right. don't accept the fact that they're outdated. So they are, it's not a good situation. And I think partially because of that, all of the students studying with him or her are biased and they're not seeing the other side right. of what's available in the world. What is the world that we're evolving? I'm learning every day. Like yeah. I, I'm learning myself every day. I'm learning about how my, what my body can move during yoga every day. Cause I haven't acquired a new skill in like over 30 years. This is new to me. I have this muscle, what's going on? I can, this is what and I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, and some of it also is that there's for so long, I mean, this gets into why there's so much, I think new lit now, particularly percussion wise is that for so long, there were just so few pieces 
you know, they could all fit in the same Steve Weiss book, you know, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you, uh, so that's what we know. Cause that's all there was for so long. And now finally, now we're getting to the point where, and you're like, so a student will probably bring you something. You're like, I have no idea who this is, but great. <laughs> you know, like, my the student who is going to my student is going to uh, Toronto next year for her DMA her repertoire for the audition she played one standard rap which was Mirage everything yeah. else was her own research she did she she had a, a, a choir singing background yeah, yeah and she wanted to develop a playing on marimba with singing which has done done before but this is an arrangement in Cantonese like mm. it was. She was trying to figure something out that was specific to her language, to her culture, and to our language. I think that's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. I think you should do it. You should push it forward. Even if it's not finished, you should push it. You should present it to – and you auditioning for IU, and she is very open-minded. And you, yeah. I'm sending you to these places because I know the teacher is going to be receiving this really well. Yeah. And that's going to – you know, it's going to stand out. You're not going to be playing another version of Ray Bon, like Exactly. No, that's awesome. Yeah, and then what? Because this is cause things that have come up within kind of some of the university circles here is that, like, then maybe someone else hears that piece, and that that new selection can be just kind of becomes you know part of the, a new canon because it's just yeah. because it's part because like a grad student like your grad student might go on five auditions and five different programs are going to hear this piece, and it's like all right now this is a way that this piece is going to get some life. And also, I, I I think younger professors in you know the get the 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 get faculty in in, in university is the perfect way to do it because they are actively performing and commissioning pieces, right? Yeah. So the grad students and the seniors are receiving this firsthand. Yeah. Um. And 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 with that, I I, I believe um positive thinking and how we think sort of passively or a- actively being injected into the students, like all of my students. I like just be nice, even though I'm rotten at heart. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very <laughs> impatient and gay. And I would, if you want me to be judgy, I'll be there. But you should be nice and genuine to and and have perfect, not perfect, but good manners at least. Um, don't take things for granted. Just, just like normal human decency. We don't have it here. It's strange. Like it's like it, it doesn't hurt. And and I want all the action that exudes niceness from you. I mean, people ask who you want to study with, like make big mama proud. Like, oh yeah, that's Matt's student. You know, of course. Yeah, yeah. Cause I'm seeing it in other students. They are, ter- my student was, was bullied recently mm-hmm. from one of the student um, who, who was studying with one of the older teacher yeah. um, who, you know, it, they're not very nice and, and their entire values and, and their discussion are based on gossips and not like, I gossip in a way that it's like non non harmful, mm-hmm. but they're attacking people personally, and yeah. I don't know what the like pleasure coming from that. But that student, cyberbully, my student asked him to, to kill himself. He was like, "I wanted to kill you, but I want to. I don't want to get my hands dirty. So why don't you kill yourself?" It was on Instagram story with his face, black and white. Wow, it's serious, right? Yeah. And, and I'm yeah. like, this is. This is representing who you're studying with, and this is representing yeah. your parent. This is representing who you are as a person. This is such a huge deal. And my student was like, "Really? Is this?" I said, "Yeah, it is. Are you okay?" Like I called him to write the like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "This happened. Are you okay?" I, I don't want 
I, I don't I don't want anything to happen to you. It's like, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm like, I I, I mean, I I need to report this because this is something official. And yeah. I, I did report it, and and you know, and and the school acted on it really quickly. They launched an investigation, and and, and my students seeing counselors, which is really good, and talk about this. And turns out, this has been going on in through for the past three years. Three years. Yeah. By multiple people with the same teacher. So I mean, it, I'm not it only and only because it showed up on social media were you aware of it, I guess, right? Yeah. 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 Sad, right? Yeah. But I I I, I believe in I, I just believe in goodness and kindness and how you treat people and and just I want my student to, yeah, we learn, you know, the reason why I learned so much from Eduardo is because I think I learned mostly about like how to become a, a, a professional and a person and a human being mm-hmm. than just playing. Yeah. I think that's, I get, I get more out of it than learning from just how to play the perfect like piece or whatever. Gotcha. Awesome. All right. Got a few more questions. Other non, this non-percussion. First one is, has anyone ever nailed an impression of you? And if so, how'd they do it? No, never. Mm-mm. Really? Nope. <laughs> not even your spouse? Nope. Uh, no, nope. he's not very good at impression. Um, <laughs> let me let me think. I think my best friend did it once, but not very good because I have layers. Okay, I have so many different layers. It's hard mm-hmm. to pinpoint me. I can do accents, by the way. I can do other people really well. Yeah. But they can't really do me because I'm again, you know, once once you know you know me, you you, you don't know know me. And I mean, whoever's listening to this, you can. I mean, if you know me, you can try. But um, and I would be amused. But I think I, I don't think so. <laughs> I've heard a couple. I don't think it's accurate. <laughs> do you, do you do one of Abby? Um, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> To her face, not to her face, doesn't matter. Oh, to her face all the time. Um, <laughs> a little anecdote. So this is, I think she's okay with me telling you this because I've, I've, I've pretty much I've told people in front of her face. Um, she was in a graduate student quartet back in NYU and I was just like hanging out, right? I wasn't mm-hmm. playing because I had my audition shit. Um, and, you know, they were just playing and normally it's like end of a rehearsal and like, oh yeah, let's get, you know, get some pizza and like, let's go and, you know, let's hang out and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she'll be, she will always be the person to be like, wait, no, what time are we meeting tomorrow to pack up? What are we doing with this music right now? Do we, do we clean up now? Or what, what's the plan? I need, I need a plan. What time are we meeting? Are we getting gas? Like what's going on? And I'm like, no, let's relax. No, we can't relax. Let's just, what is this? So we have came up with a term called attitude. Okay. <laughs> That's when attitude happened. Um, I, I I think I've never um, experienced much of an attitude because I'm also really intense. I, I I I plan things out pretty pretty rigorously. So mm-hmm. I think we work pretty well together. But I've seen attitude firsthand. I would just be walking around like you in deep shit, huh? <laughs> so yeah, we have to clean up first, and then we're gonna go like leave. And it's like, it's like, it's like 10, right? Yeah. So yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> no, like that. 
Nice. I mean, that's what you need to do when you yeah. have like five boys around you. Oh, of course, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you have five boys who are, who are late and, and like not doing shit, and this is what you need to do. Yeah. No, I hear you. <laughs> All right. You can ask her. She, she, I think she has relaxed a whole lot because ever since Stony Brook, she can be focusing on her research and her, the pieces she likes to play, and yeah. she can be who she is. I think mm-hmm. a lot more um, aptitudes have disappeared. Okay. <laughs> nice. All right. Next question. Um, what is a great movie and what is a terrible movie? Legally Blonde. That's when you say great movie, that's always the same thing. It's always playing somewhere in the house from the age of 14 through 17. Mm-hmm. I, I have the, I have the DVD, I have the Barbie. Um, I, I know, I, I, I know all the lines. I, I have the trivia done. I, you know, Legally Blonde, it's a great movie. Love it. Terrible movie. Can't think of anything. I have a lot. I've watched a lot of mediocre movie, but not it's not so bad that I need to like stop watching in the middle. That's that's bad, right? Yeah, sure. I don't think I've never done that. What's well, like? A, well, give me a mediocre then. Anything superhero? I'm not a big fan of superhero. Oh sure. So any like DC or Marvel, I would watch it and then like, not halfway, maybe just far enough. I would stop. Yeah. Where is somewhere that you, because you've been a, you, you've have gotten to go to a lot of places, where is somewhere that you have not traveled to that you still want to get to? Africa. I've played in, except for Antarctica and, and of course, South Pole, right? Yeah. Um, never played in that one continent was Africa. And I've always wanted to go to Africa. So we were planning to, pre-COVID, we were going to do our honeymoon in Greece, right? And mm-hmm. there were talks that we were going to do it in Spain and Morocco because it's sort of the same um, area and yeah. the same influences. So Africa was on our list, definitely. What is a uh, your best non-life-threatening injury? I don't think it's tennis elbow, but it's something related to tennis elbow. It's like right arm here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it wasn't torn. It was just like painful. Two years ago, I did a tour, um, my first tour in Argentina, and I did something stupid. Like I scheduled back-to-back concerts or whatever, and I didn't have time to rest, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And it ended up, it wasn't painful. It was just like when I moved a certain way, when I took my back a certain way, it would hurt. And when I played, it would hurt. So I, I, I did, I did, gone, I, 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 I did um, went through, I don't know, two, three months of physical therapy. And then, you know, the, 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 the physical therapist gave me this green dildo thingy so I can twist. It really doesn't look like a dildo. Um, but it's like a green TheraBand so you can mm-hmm. twist and there's the 25 pounds resistance to, mm. to train this muscle and not to schedule things back and back to back. Because I was trying to like get it done because yeah. I'm intense. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you learn and, you know, I'm no spring chicken. So you need to kind of take care of your body. Gotcha. What's your biggest kitchen mess up? Kombucha explosion. I'm I'm sorry. What what exploded? Kombucha. Oh oh okay. Explosion. So second ferment. So this is after the first fermentation. I put it in the bottles. Yeah. Um, those are good bottles. Like they're not the cheap ass bottle. The, the, these are for uh, bottling pickling purposes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The bottom didn't break. 
but I was trying out new flavors. I don't know what happened, but maybe that that time it was a blueberry puree. Okay. I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna put too much blueberry and sugar in the same time because the sugar level you can't really you can't tell. You just add stuff. Um, I normally burp my second ferment halfway through, just release the gas a little bit so it doesn't explode, like I said. Yeah. Um, so I did burp it, and I usually push it down really hard so that it, when it comes out, it just sort of drips through. But that was so powerful. I, I it, Like on the ceiling, there's blueberry everywhere. It's like it's like blue and kind of, it doesn't, it's not really blue-blue. It's like blue-brownish. Okay. It was not good. So that was my biggest kitchen mess up. And you had to clean it up, and you were out of kombucha. Yeah, I, you know, it was fine, but it's just like after I cleaned it up, like a week later or whatever, I, I, I did find it spread it into other nooks and crannies. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, this is just going to be never ending. So, no more blueberry puree. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't taste it. So, what a waste. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Uh, what is either the strangest, most bizarre, or funniest performance moment that involves you? Funny, I have a lot, so I don't know what which one to say. <laughs> I have a lot. Well, the one of the newest commissions I've, I've done last year with a guy, with a composer and percussionist in Kansas, because I wanted to, I mean, you've been talking to me for two two hours, and you know what kind of, how I talk and what kind of person I am. I want something that's very hard to play, very fast, but I'm also really in love with disco music from the 80s and 90s in Spain and Mexico. I can send you a list, it's great. Um, and also nightclub music that you play in the club and you drink until two and then you are possibly high and you can just see the wall melting in front of your face and just, you know, that situation. I want to, I, and with, I want to capture all of that with my personality Mm -hmm. and put it into a vibraphone piece with live electronics. He delivered. Mm-hmm. The, the the piece is called loops because the second movement is called grolix. Grolix is um, is a word that you know you see in 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 comic books when you have profanity. Yeah, they use like pound sign and dollar sign. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's grolix. Okay. Uh, I didn't know. The, the, I didn't know jargon. that a name, but okay, I got you. The jargon. So he did that, and it's like a live electronic live looping piece, and it's filled with licks that is so hard to play. It's really nice to listen to because it's you know you can. Mm-hmm. Bob, your head too. You can. I can see myself having too much like vodka crayon, and it's like three a.m. and I'm mm-hmm. not still, still still not leaving the club in my like mesh tank top in my twenties and just trying to like mm-hmm. stand. Um, and at the end of the piece, there is a uh, Sex in the City chord. That's like oh, I know what you mean. Yes, yeah, I know <laughs> that upward. Uh, what is it, fourths or something like that? I, I will say it, it's a minor major seven. I will say okay. <laughs> that the, the the clip that I play at the end. Da, da, uh-huh. da, 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 yeah, um, it sounded because it's like repeated, yeah, kind yeah. of like an a, a a prime b b prime, and you yeah. expect the audience expect like an a prime coming back up. Yeah, um, but it doesn't. It just end in that chord. Yeah, yeah, and just you know. Every time when I play that, and I like to do as performers, like we tell the right stories. And if we do tell the right story and we do a good job, people will laugh. And every time they laugh. Because <laughs> they, they know, they can just see four women just walking down a, str- a, a street yeah. in a straight and line. Only about two people, close, close friend of mine was like, you think about Sex and the City, right? And then, <laughs> 
That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, right. think it's, it, it, I mean, Vaughn really captures that perfectly. It's so hard to play because it's all live loop. Yeah. If you messed up, it's it's supposed to be nine eight, but it's not a nine eight. It's just weird grouping yeah. all the all the time. It's it, the, the 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 beating is wrong, and then you have to just fit in right in the pocket. And if you fuck up the first live loop, because yeah. that that was your background for the next. Oh right, yeah, eight. yeah. Ugh. It's like it's like in the passive aggressive way saying, Matt, you suck. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you suck immediately, and then you suck for the whole rest of the piece, right? No, no, honey, it's it's the first 16 measure. So like yeah. there's nothing you can do. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Last question. I'll send it to you. If you if yeah. you know that chord, you will know at the end. No, it's the same, not the exact same notes, but the same chord. It's clearly the feeling, though. I'm. I will know. I will know immediately what you're talking about. It's the feeling of Sarah Jessica Parker in that tutu dress being yeah. splashed by the M5 bus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Somehow being able to afford a really nice apartment on a writer, a magazine writer salary, or whatever it is, right? Yeah, I couldn't help but wonder, right? I don't know. I mean, that that was the that was one of the <laughs> mysteries of that show. Yeah. Among many. All right. And last question, Matt. What one piece of art could be music, movies, books, podcasts, YouTube clips, theater, visual art, poetry, whatever, has impacted you the most recently? This is a toughie. Oh, Wernica. Um, the the artwork? The artwork. The Picasso. But, but Picasso artwork, the bombing artwork. Yeah, yeah. Guernica, because um, that I have, we we watched a documentary on counterfeit um, art and on Christie's and, op, and on auctions and everything that like people buy these fake art and it was replicated um, by by this Chinese artist, um, and that was because I, I I had I I remember where I was, but I we looked at this art yeah. in person before, and that and because it's so it's big, right? When you look yeah, at yeah. it in, in the book, it's like this, right. but it's so big that you have to walk out, like you have to back the fuck up to really see the entire thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like black. I wear black every day, and I like that sort of Picasso style because of these concrete lines, but when you when you move back, when you back up a little bit, you see the whole picture, and it changes your entire view. I, we, we've had coffee table books about artwork and about this, and whenever we look at the, the actual artwork in person, it's like, that it in, impacted me a little bit because um, I play a lot of Spanish music. Um, a composer named Jose Manuel Lopez Lopez. He studied with Don Tony and with you know Mirai with 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 Luigi Nono. So you know he he teaches in in Paris and and and, and Barcelona and Madrid. Um, so he is that traditional avant-garde Euro, um, European tradition composer. Yeah, and I play a lot of his music because it speaks to me. It's like a continuation of of Omar to me, Don and Tony to me, which I love. Um, and you know, whenever I play, I, I see colors and I see shapes and I see mainly color. Um, and just how that era of composer and their artwork and their artists and their painters counterpart would affect the, the art in a certain way. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a Fran- that was a Franco era, and that was kind of the era that he. Sort of grew up in and he was uh, was raised in so that was my reason because i'm i'm playing the same uh the spanish piece um next week in a gallery with with, with the movie mm-hmm. um the movie has something to do with the art it's like a, a, a documented um what is it it's like a venice it's like a, a 
clips of, of the composer walking through Venice. It's, 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 but it's part of the piece now. It's, okay. it's like a second version of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was I was watching this and I was just looking at it and like, oh, I'm seeing different things now. The piece is called uh, Calcaro Secreto. Cool. Not familiar with it. But I, I'm with you, though, on the uh, on the difference of artwork in person. Uh, I, I don't know. Have you ever seen a Pollock in, a, in an art gallery? And it's just Actually, like... Pollock- Pollock was one of the was subject one of the artists that was being counterfeited on. Oh, that, really? That was, it's on Netflix. You should search for it. I, I forget what it's called, but it's about. Um, Is it the price of everything? Three. No, that's I'm a different not sure. one. Anyway, keep going. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, it's just just that you would look at at a Pollock in a book and you'd just be like, "All right, I mean, fine, whatever." And then you'd go and it'd be like forty feet long, and you like, and you, and you, same thing. Like when you're up close, it's it's one type of of artwork, and then when you're like five steps back, it's another, and then you're five steps. It like keeps changing perspective as you depending on where you stand. It, it doesn't do um, the the art justice by looking right. at the photo. Oh, it's called it's called made you look a true story about fake art. Made you look okay. It's, yeah. It's the same way with all the art I've looked at, even even not Pollock, but with some of the the, the minimalist art in, in MoMA. Like when I do see it and you see the texture, I'm yeah. close, and it, it's like, hmm, that is so different than what you see in the book. A real pleasure getting to talk to Matthew. I look forward to his future commissioning and performances and his continued work towards more equal rights in Hong Kong and all over. And I hope I get to meet him very soon in person. This week's rave is the 2020 short film, Two Distant Strangers, this year's Oscar winner for live action short, directed by Trayvon Free and Martin Desmond Rowe, and streaming now on Netflix. Most Oscar seasons... I tend to catch at least all of the Best Picture nominees, some of the other films, and if I'm able to fit it in, and it's showing locally, the animated shorts. I've missed the animated shorts this year, but I caught some others, but eventually I decided I needed to watch Two Distant Strangers because I heard about it through the podcast Higher Learning, which is hosted by one of the film's producers, Van Lathan, and co-hosted by reporter and the first black Bachelorette lead, Rachel Lindsay. The basic idea of this 30-minute short film is that hip-hop artist Joey Badass plays the lead role of a young black man getting caught in the most nightmarish form of the classic Bill Murray film Groundhog Day. He has to relive each day as a horrible interaction with law enforcement. And I think you can see where that's going. It's a terrifically effective and difficult film to watch, but expresses the rage and fear that many African-Americans feel towards their existences in the United States. It's very well worth your time to check out the Oscar-winning Two Distant Strangers, now streaming on Netflix. And that's our show. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment and a rating. You can always find every episode and the show notes at the homepage at PeteZambito.com slash Pete's Percussion Podcast, the episodes. The show is also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many podcast locations. If you're on Facebook, 
like the page Pete's Percussion Podcast. You can find me there on Instagram and Twitter at Pete Zambito or by email at Pete's Perk Pod at gmail.com. And I'll catch you next time. Until then. <laughs>